Hello everybody, Jay Arnott here and welcome to the Growth Mindsetters podcast. The podcast that helps you go from mind stuck to mindset in 30 minutes. The aim of the podcast is really to interview some of life's little personalities who are making a big difference in the world. And today I've got with me Barry Trainer. He's a hypnotist and he's also an unlicensed boxer. So pleased to meet you, Barry. Pleased to meet you, Jay. <laughs> nice, to be, nice to be here. Yeah, so this is episode two of the the Growth Mindset podcast, and it's really exciting to have you here in person. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself, your, your background, your journey, or something like that? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, where do I start, really? Uh, my name is Barry Trainer. However, people will, uh, some people may know me as Ricky Moore. That Ricky is my Moore, yeah. Ricky Moore. Yeah, that's my uh, yeah. that's my stage name. And uh, so, if you've uh, been to see a hypnotist show, yeah, cool. You may uh, you may have seen you know you may have uh, seen me do a show which is Ricky Moore. And uh, my journey is I, I became interested in hypnosis when uh, I was about nineteen years old. Yeah, I was a boxer, and I was a very successful amateur boxer. Yeah, I uh, I won pretty much everything you can win as an amateur boxer. I was a uh, I was a regular with the England squad. And uh, I suffered from nerves. Mm-hmm. And somebody taught me how to use self-hypnosis to change my mindset. And after a couple of sessions of learning how to use self-hypnosis, uh, I never looked back. And that's why I then fed into being a stage hypnotist. Because I understood very early on the power you can use your mind to change not only events, but to change how you feel. And then if you change how you feel, that can then change events. Awesome. So when did, when did you learn about self-hypnosis? I mean, how did that come up? I learned about self-hypnosis quite late in my boxing career because I actually stopped boxing around about the age of 21. Yeah. But uh, I learned about it about 19 years old. So I'd spent a lot of my, a lot of my uh, boxing career suffering from this nervous energy, yeah. which, uh, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know how to channel it, it can be an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. And when I learned how to use it... Uh, I used to. What I used to do was I used to use uh, use your self hypnosis uh, and visualization within within that self hypnosis to uh, to visualize competition, visualize yeah. fights. Yeah. And the first time I, I used it uh, after about three months of preparing for for a competition, I, I remember I remember walking to the boxing ring, and what I'd done was I'd been visualizing uh, myself having this fight mm-hmm. with with a certain person. And I was going through it in my mind. I was seeing what I would see. I was hearing all of all the things that I'd hear with a fight, feeling. Mm-hmm. So I was using all of the, all of the messages you use within within hypnosis NLP. Yeah. And when I when it actually came to walking to the ring, I remember feeling different. Yeah, I remember walking, and the nerves that I usually have weren't nervous energy. It was like excitement. Yeah, and and I remember getting in the ring, and now there's something that really really important about this. When I was fighting, it was as though. I knew what, the, what my opponent was going to do before he'd done it, even though I didn't. Yeah. And after I spoke to my mentor, Hugh Lennon, who, who taught me how to use self-hypnosis, uh, he said to me, the reason why that was was because my mind has accepted the fact that I'd already won this fight. Mm-hmm. So when I was in there, it wasn't that I knew what he was going to do. I was just so relaxed that my subconscious mind had took me to another level. Yeah. And then I become hooked. I became hooked on using mindset for sport. And well, that's what sort of that's what drove me to then fall into. I became so excited about hypnosis, I ended up uh, putting down the boxing and going into hypnosis. Awesome, mm. that really like uh, resonates with me because mm. that's some of the things I teach in my work. You know, um, just on the on the bookshelf there, I've got a little book by Charles Terrett. It's uh, mm. 
tiny little book. It's one of my favourite books. It's called Self-Hypnosis and Other Mind-Expanding Techniques. Mm. And Brilliant. one of Charles Tebbets's rules of the mind, uh, rule of the mind number two, was what is expected tends to be realised. So Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So I, I just love that. I repeat it all the time. People mm. get bored of me talking about yeah. it, but it's one of the most important things in, yeah. in like, a positive auto-suggestion. <sighs> if you're an anxious person, you're... You're expecting chaos or crisis. Yeah, totally, and, yeah. Um, yeah, so when you go out in the world, that tends to be the reality. That's what you realise. Um, if you're expecting something else which is comfortable and, you know, exciting, which you've done with your books, mm. and, um, then that's what you tend to get. So that's awesome that you've been doing the self-hypnosis. Did that actually come before the stage hypnotism or yeah oh yes absolutely yeah i became hooked on i became hooked on hypnosis i used hypnosis for about a year i got about a year and a half in boxing in 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 that time i I mean i'd already had uh several uh offers of professional contracts and uh i got offered uh professional contracts off of off of a a couple of high profile uh boxing boxing managers yeah and uh but by that time by that time i'd actually decided to go go into stage hypnosis and I remember my dad saying to me, don't go into stage hypnosis yet. Finish your boxing career because you're young. And I remember as young, as when you're young, you know everything. I said, no, no, honestly, I'm, 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 I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> now I look back and I think, I wish I'd just listened to him and yeah. finish my boxing. Because I, yeah. More so because I, I wonder where I could have gone with the power of the mind. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, this is something which is quite, uh, quite uh, sort of profound. I remember... Because, uh, you know, I, I, you, you, you may know yourself and I have no doubt that you will. I can go into a, a sports club and more, more so in a dressing room mm-hmm. or on a, on a cricket pitch or, yeah. or watching, uh, watching any youngsters getting ready. And I can already pick out the champions by their mannerisms, by their eyes, by what they look like, by how they're handling that nervous energy. Yes. Right? Because some people are defeated before they get in there, and it's all about how they look and how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you can teach that in sport. You can actually, you, if you understand the power of the mindset, you can actually teach that to turn that on its head mm-hmm. and turn that. You know, if somebody suffers from that flight syndrome, you can actually teach them and turn that around to get them to use that fight. And yeah, you know, and, that, and that's you know, that's something I'm loving is, this. I'm yeah, loving this. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it, it resonates with you, doesn't it? It, it yeah. really resonates. I mean, I've just made an audio for something called the pleasure pain principle. Mm. What are you motivated yeah. by most? And most of the time, people want to go into the comfort zone and experience pleasure first. Yes. But actually, it's the pain that initiates action or the discomfort or the nervous yeah. energy. And growth. Or the or yeah. the revenge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So it's a fantastic motivator if you're in control of it. Mm. Um, I was watching a, a YouTube video with the footballer Roy Keane, who used to play mm. for Manchester United he's uh, quite a, quite a feisty character and he was totally, saying, yeah. saying about his time at Manchester United how how um it was the the kind of fear of failure that was driving him on when he was at Ireland he, he thought I was unemployed I don't want to be there so I've got to make this a success so it was yeah. the fear that was driving him on and when he looks back now he wishes he had the maturity to handle that fear in a yes, in, in course, a different yeah, way so yeah. So obviously the nervous energy, the um, not necessarily the fear, but the discomfort has yeah. driven you on somewhat. Yeah, of course. And the, the, going, going to uh, to Roy Keane, if you could, if you could, because there's a lot of players out there uh, who are 
you know, uh, just local players who are very, very, very n nearly, nearly as good as Roy Keane was. Mm -hmm. right, okay. But if you could take how Roy Keane prepared himself in the dressing room, right, and how he channeled that energy, because there's no doubt about it, Roy Keane would have got as nervous as any other player. Because yeah. when you're getting ready for when you're getting ready for competition, or whether it be fighting, whether it be football, whether it be cricket, any sport within reason, when you're getting ready, when you're getting ready to, to, to for combat, the adrenaline's the same, no matter mm. what you're going in for. Yeah. And if you could take somebody like Roy Keane's uh, mindset and, mm. and 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 sell that, it'd be worth millions because you would then make millions of champions. Yeah. Because that's what that's the difference between Roy Keane and the local uh, painter and decorator who plays for his local team, who's got the same skills. It's, it's the mindset. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred percent mindset. There's no, you know, I, I believe that 100%. Yeah. You can teach, if you can, if you can not only not really teach somebody their mindset, if you can teach somebody the importance of understanding mm -hmm. the preparation and understanding how to use that mindset, how to, how to, how to prepare for it and how yeah. to, how to use visualization, how to use self-hypnosis, to create that mindset, and then you're going to create you're going to create a better fighter, or a better footballer, or better cricket. Yeah, you know, yeah, or better competitor. Yeah, and I see the same with business as well. Mm. People come to me and say, "How do I make more money? How do I get more clients? How do I conquer Facebook ads and all those kind of things at the front of the mind?" When really the goal behind the goal is the need to sort the mindset out first, because yes. they don't want to go through that kind of suffering or that yes. learning curve, which could be quite long. Yes. Um, yeah. So people want a, often want a quick fix and the, and the comfort. Yeah, of course uh, they do. Without the actual journey. Mm. So if you're coaching um, a young person, just see what you were coaching somebody down your local gym. Mm. What would you use in terms of an uh, emotion or a state? Would you use that kind of nervous energy, that pain, or would you say, you know, imagine there's a a holiday at the end of this, or you're going to be the world's best fighter, or you're going to have a million pound mm. if you win your next five fights. What would you use as... I would, I would use, well, you know, I would, first of all, I'd find out what motivates them uh, and, and, and speak their language. Uh, so, but uh, how, how I've, I've got quite a, a basic set if I'm, if I'm speaking to anybody about, about any, sort of, uh, any sort of preparation, and that's about modelling. Yeah. You know, so what I would do is if, uh, if I've, got, I've gone into clubs before, boxing clubs, and, uh, and I've done mindsets with, with the whole team, mm -hmm. yeah? and how I use that mindset is that most people in sport of any sort have got somebody who they look up to. Yeah. Somebody who they, who they you know, who they, who they admire. Mm -hmm. So I ask them to imagine that person. Imagine their skills. Imagine their mindset. And just imagine themselves just floating into that person and just absorbing what they've got. Right? To, uh, to add to what they already have. That's the important thing. Not changing who they are. Yeah. But to add to what they've already got. And and like that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And then as they absorb it, and then they float themselves back out of it again, then they float back in, and they do this. And then and I, I, I send them home with that same mindset to do it all the time, mm -hmm. as much as they can. And just by something as simple as that, you can change how they approach the game, how they approach it. Because what they're going to do is then, if they're doing that enough, they're then going to... Because they they've got no idea how this superstar uh, feels before competition. But how they perceive that person to feel... Mm. Will be will, 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 will be will, how they will actually absorb that quality. Yeah, yeah. So this is a bit like the deep trance identification mm. method, isn't it? In, oh, in a hypnosis, yeah. where yes. you yeah. go in and you assume the whole being of the other person and look through their eyes and That's feel the all the feelings. And That's the one. That can be absolutely. quite profound, can't it? 
it can be so profound if you if you believe in it. That's yeah. the thing. If you believe it, yeah, and then it can be it can be massive. Yeah, awesome. This is the Growth Mindset podcast. What does the growth mindset mean to you? Well, to me, it means it means pain. You only. I'm I'm drawn. I'm sort of like a motivated by, you know, trying to trying to trying to expand. And I, and I only expand when I'm uncomfortable. So if I'm sort of like spending a lot of time when I'm quite comfortable, then I know that I'm not actually doing anything to to better myself. Yeah. So I like to look for things which is going to make me feel uncomfortable. And if I can feel uncomfortable and, and, and challenge them things and mm. get over them things, and then and then that's that's me expanding. However, even there's a lot. I mean, you know, we could we could talk all day, couldn't we, about how you prepare for things. And yet, you know, I'm motivated by a lot of things which, uh, you know, like for instance, a lot of uh, trainers would say to, uh, you know, about things like there's no sense of failure, only feedback. Mm -hmm. So if I try something and I don't succeed in it, I'll give you an example, shall I? I'm 50 years old. I'm 50 years old in one month, right? Looking good for 50. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. And I, and I've decided now to, to hang up my, uh, hang up my gloves as a, as a fighter. Yeah. And uh, I've hung up the gloves as a fighter. However, up until a f- up until about a month ago, mm-hmm. I was still stepping into the ring with uh, yeah. with. I must apologise, my, my phone's going there. Right. I was stepping into the ring with twenty year olds. Right? And what I do know is the the the, uh, the winning and the losing wasn't that wasn't the big uh, wasn't the important thing for me mm-hmm. in that in that sense. It was actually just getting in there because my winning and losing time mm-hmm. as a competitor yeah. had been had been and gone. So it was actually just just still getting that rush of adrenaline and knowing that I was actually going to get something from that. And what I was getting from that was just that sense of uncomfortableness, which was going to drive me. Because when I got that uncomfortableness, I would then train harder. I would then focus harder on my business. Mm-hmm. Because what it does is when you've got something, when you've got a challenge, you feel better about yourself and you've got more self-worth. So if I could say to anybody about growth, it's about finding something that you love and trying, trying your best to actually go that extra step yes and making sure really that your your business isn't suffering at the same time yeah incorporate it yeah everybody knows about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone yes but few people are willing to be out of that comfort zone for a considerable amount of time to get that extra level of growth is, is that yeah. what you're saying yeah yes absolutely yeah because you know we, we're so many we're so many uh sayings isn't it that we use but and then actually we realize that they're true you know yeah. that, that uh you know, life begins outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, who who said, uh, I can't remember his name now, but I remember somebody saying once at a, a, a convention of some sort to ask the audience, when was the last time mm-hmm. they did something for the first time? Yes. And when you think about that, <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, when was the last time that you did something for the first time? So probably the people that are going to be listening to or listening to this, to this podcast, yeah. ask yourself that question. And if you can't remember, then it's time to do something for the first time. It's time to say, actually, I'm going to do something which is going to benefit me. Yeah. And also, as well, hopefully benefit what I'm doing uh, towards success. Yeah. So canoeing? Canoeing, yes. <laughs> I saw your canoe outside and I thought, hey, I've got to have some of that. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Give so me a shout any time. We'll do that together sometime. Yeah. Awesome. Is there any particular scenarios where you've overcome setbacks or failure? Is there any scenarios where I've overcome setbacks and failure? Wow. I'm a, uh, you know, this is gonna. I'm gonna throw this into the, mm-hmm. in the mix, whether it, whether it sort of like works or not. I'm a, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I, I had everything at one point. I had a really, really wonderful life. I had a lovely home in Leeds. I had uh, lots of contracts, 
and then I fell victim to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And I ended up losing everything, ended up not having anywhere to live, not even a roof to lay my head. I experienced homelessness uh, yeah. uh, in and out of hostels until, 19, until 2007, when I decided to get well. A friend of mine uh, who, who, who sent, sent me and paid for me to go to a rehab uh, for three months and, uh, and some aftercare as well, which I'm eternally thankful for. And that's 11 and a half years now. So that was a massive setback. And I use that now, okay, because every single day for me now is, is, is about living life. And if you can, if you, an important thing is to know where you are. Because if you don't know where you are, and then you don't know where you're going to be going. So if you stop for a minute and just write down a few yeah. things as to where you are, right, then you'll realise you know, what, what is actually stopping you from growing. Because most people aren't where they really want to be. Yeah. So if you can work out what's stopping you, and I worked out what was stopping me, was I can't, I, I can't drink, yeah. I can't take any mind-altering substance at any level. So once I realised that, then I could do something about it. Yeah. So it how took, long has that been now? Since eleven and a half years. Well, eleven and a half. Absolutely. Yes, I've got. Dry. A, a, yeah, eleven and a half years dry and clean. Yeah, you yeah. know, I've got a lovely wife called Natalie. I've got a lovely son called Mason, yeah. and I've got a lovely home, which is beyond my wildest beliefs. All I've had to do was work out which was stop what was stopping me. From Look achieving at what's this. stopping you, yeah. Absolutely. Now I've realised what's stopping me. I've realised, you know. So what you could say to yourself is, "What is my alcohol? You know, what is what is <laughs> brilliant? The question, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is my? Yeah. Alcohol? It might not be alcohol. Yeah. I know a lot of people who've got yeah. wonderful lives and they have a glass of wine three or four in the, uh, of the weekend. Yeah. But it might be something which is stopping you. Yeah. Work out what's stopping you. Move that aside, and start to row. Awesome. That's really really awesome. Mm. So, are you still a vegan? I'm as I'm as. <laughs> vegan as I can be without being fanatical. Yeah. yeah. And what I mean is, is that, you know, of a, if I'm if I'm somewhere and I'm a bit peckish and I start eating a uh, a muesli bar, mm-hmm. and somebody says to me, oh, you know, that, that's got a uh, that's got milk powder in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put the muesli bar down. Yeah. I would say I'm vegan curious. Yeah. I don't really eat dairy. I don't really eat dairy. I don't really eat dairy, and I don't yeah, eat meat. Vegan curious. Yeah. Vegan, that's, yeah. Vegan curious. That was that was actually Russell Brands. <laughs> yeah. Vegan curious. You know. So I, I'm as vegan as, as I'd like to be. Yeah. Without being sort of like a, you know, uh, you know, right or left wing, whatever. So, what's the drive for the vegan? Is it a health thing, or is it's it purely what it is? It's a health thing. Yeah. You know, when I've sort of like looked into the pros and cons, and I've realised that uh, what, what we what we put into our bodies is so important. I've lost I've lost uh, three and a half stone because of what I eat and my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went, when I sort of like when I went in, when I went into rehab, I was. Uh, I was actually only I was only seven and a half stone because mm-hmm. I was very unwell. When I come out of rehab, I was I was nearly twelve stone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, nearly eleven stone. I put on nearly three and a half stone in in the space of sort of like three months and then another six months yeah. after that. And then I just started to to get well and get healthy and get fit. And now I'm down to my natural weight, which is about about ten stone five, something like that. So and that's purely because, and I don't get I don't get very unwell. I don't get colds. Mm-hmm. I don't get. Viruses, and I think it's down to what I'm eating. So, what 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 is it you do in a nutshell to keep your mindset? What do I do in a, in a, in a nutshell to keep my mindset? I do a sort of like I don't do a, a daily inventory. I work with, I work a a twelve step program, mm-hmm. which is something which is uh, anybody who's in a who's in a fellowship of recovery of some sort will know what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I keep fit. I run. I do yoga. I uh, I do a bit of uh, I do a bit of weights as well. I, I, I still I still fight with uh, mm-hmm. you know. Funny enough, I've got a, a, a little friend of mine uh, called Sam, mm-hmm. 
He's only he's only seventeen, mm-hmm. by the way, and I've, I'm, I'm due to have a little uh, a little role with him at some point in the future. He's had a so nine a role as a role like... as in, that's, that's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he's seventeen years old, and, yep. and, and he eats me for breakfast. He's a he's a little <laughs> he's a little he's, he's, he's going to be. He, he, I believe he'll be a world champion. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's had nine MMA fights. He's won nine. Mm-hmm. He's he's undefeated and he's won every single one of them in the, in the first two rounds yeah. by, by choking people in a cage way, and he's, he's such a gentleman. So even though he's only seventeen, yeah. I even look at somebody like that for modelling certain parts of their behaviour. Yes, and what I would model from him is his mindset. You know, he's yeah. at seventeen. He still he actually believes when he gets in that cage, he has no doubt he's going to win. And he looks like a he looks like a little choir boy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I was sort of like, what, what I do to keep fit and healthy is as much as I can with my mind and my body, mm-hmm. and, and I try and transfer that into my business. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And try and transfer that into my business business by doing something every single day to better where I am. I mean, it's really interesting. I've seen your stage shows and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, the last one was like last year or That's something. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been canoeing across the lake with another hypnotist. Brilliant. I'll be making a That's video right. in the canoe. She's a good hypnotist, by the way. Yeah. 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 On Lake Oswald, that was fantastic. Then at the night time, we visited you. That's right. In in that kind of um, camping area. Yes, that's right. Parkfoot, your... Parkfoot, why not say that? Parkfoot yeah. Country Club. Yeah, Parkfoot Country it. Club, and yeah, um, it was really interesting because mm. that was the first time I'd seen you live yeah. and. You're as good as any other stage hypnotist I've seen. Thank you. Probably one of the more mm. modest ones that's under the radar. Mm. So perfect for this podcast. Yeah, thank you. And one of the things I loved about it was, you know, uh, your negative hallucinations, you know, where you're <laughs> lifting the children across the room and, uh, yeah, and yeah. yeah, they're invisible and stuff like that. So uh, I found that really interesting, the yeah. negative hallucination aspect yeah. where you make things disappear. Yes. Yeah. Is there any way that we could use negative hallucinations hallucination in terms of our everyday life or our goals or you know ambitions or anything like that yeah i mean in in a stage sense it's you know i mean they they they, they can they they basically I mean they, they they could see me but their subconscious mind was accepting the fact that they can't see me and so they act as if they can't then the fear effect would still be there so i think it would be different difficult to do that on a stage set and use that same suggestions with people yeah. but what you can do is that you can work out what's not working for you that day mm-hmm. You can do some. You can do some relaxation. Mm-hmm. You can concentrate on what's not working for you, and you can just see yourself either moving away from that, yeah, making that disappear, yeah, making that making your mindset was connected to that disappear, yeah, and then see yourself moving towards a more positive outcome. So something dissolving, absolutely, dissol- yeah. absolutely, yeah, something yeah. dissolving or something just flashing away. Yeah. So how do you yeah. think that works when people just can't see? I mean, it's the subconscious suggestion isn't it where yeah. you just can't see an object or you can't see a person yeah well, what i what i say is when i'm when i'm doing a stage show mm-hmm. uh, my 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 language mm-hmm. is very specific mm-hmm. it's language <laughs> patterns yeah yes so the language pattern that i use which uh, other hypnotists maybe don't use because i've seen hypnotists try that negative suggestion yeah. and it hasn't worked and yes. i know it's because they've not used the right language so what i would do is i would say when you open your eyes it will be as if you cannot see me as if. However, you can see anything I move around the floor in front of you. However, it will be as if. So their mind can perceive that in any way, mm-hmm. you see. So, you know, they can perceive it as in some people will genuinely not be able to see you. Yeah. Because that's how they perceive it. Mm-hmm. But some people may be able to see you, but it's as if they can't see you. So, 
You see, so that's just, it's just a little specific language pattern awesome. that, would be, would, that would be thrown in there. So you could use that same language pattern throughout the day. You could sit there and you could relax in the morning and say, today it's going to be as if <laughs> the things that would would be problematic for me or cause problems don't bother me anymore. Yeah. It's as if I'm just flowing through the day. It's as if everything I touch turns to gold. It's as if I feel amazing. And you're using that same as if uh-huh. to better your day. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and then, but the important thing is it's about persistence. Mm. It's about doing, not just doing it once and saying, oh, you know, because uh, what, what tends to happen is is that I'll say to people, you know, I'll give them, I'll give them some, some sessions mm-hmm. about, better, about bettering themselves. And they'll use it, they'll use it, and they'll say, it felt so good, I really used that, and yeah. they'll stop using it. Persistence. Persistence. Yeah. It's about persistence. Persi- being persistent. You know, when, when, you're, when you're a child, you get up, you fall down, you get up, you fall down, mm-hmm. you don't just decide not to get up again. Yeah. It's a, and that's natural persistence. Take that same persistence. And now people seem to want quick fixes and everything, you know. Absolutely, I don't, yeah. I don't want the journey. Just give me the solution to the problem quick. And yeah. you can sell something to them where you say, yeah, I'll give you that quick fix. But really, it's there's always a level of persistence yeah. needed or patience or endurance. Of course. Uh, have I had to mention a specific speaker on here? Professional speaker. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a motivational speaker called Les Brown. Mm-hmm. And he, and he's an amazing speaker, by the way, and he uses something which really, really resonated with me about persistence. He said that a, a bamboo plant, a bamboo seed, right, takes five years to sprout. Five years, yeah. right? Now, when it sprouts through the ground, mm-hmm. it, go, it grows nine metres in nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Has it grown nine metres in nine weeks? Or has it grown nine metres in five years and nine weeks? <laughs> you see, so it's about persistence. It's the yeah. it's kind of the eighty twenty rule, isn't it? You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, eighty eighty percent initial effort or twenty percent. We're pretty much coming to the end of it, but it's been a real joy having you here. Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you. I would like to ask you, you know, if there's any particular legacy. Sometimes I say to people, you know, what's the one change that you want to make in the world? You know, the Gandhi quote: yeah, <laughs> "Be yeah. the change that you see in the world." Yeah. But for you, what's the legacy that you'd like to leave behind as Barry Trainer, Ricky Moore, the stage hypnotist? Yeah, well, my, my legacy isn't actually in, in stage hypnosis, because mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my love. Yeah. But, and I've got a few loves, which is quite, you know, you know find a job you love and you'll never work another day. You know, I, I haven't worked for a long time, and, and nor have you, yeah. because, you, you know, you love your job. However, my legacy, I, I want to be able to teach young people how to harness their nervous energy and turn that into channeling it into positivity and power mm-hmm. rather than draining. So when I, when I can teach somebody to respond to negative energy with that, that bounce mm-hmm. rather than wanting to lay down and go to sleep. Yes. That's when I'll, you know, if I can teach that, if I can get that into most sports places, the power of it, you know, the, 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 uh, the importance of mindset. And then that would be something which, uh, I'm working on it at the moment, and uh, and hopefully that will get there. You know, I've, I'm uh, I'm in the middle of creating a program which has been a long time coming, and I'm still working on it, perfecting it. It's called Unblock Your Champion Within. So look awesome. out for that. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So it's been great having you here, Barry, Ricky Moore. Thank you. And uh, thanks very much for attending this podcast. That's the end of Growth Mindset Podcast Number Two. Check out the other episodes on iTunes. And for now, can I just um, say hello to my my son Mason? Yeah. Hello, Mason.
Love you. And my wife, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Love you too. That's all from me, Gianna, and I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers. Goodbye.